These are challenging times. The division and frustration are palpable. The balance is constantly shifting. The lines consistently blurred. Truths, half-truths, lies, mixed messages, confusing headlines. All in the middle of a nation whose back has been broken. Hope is drowned out by fear. Peace is muted by chaos. Dreams are crushed by reality. Finding God in the midst of this moment is difficult. As the election draws closer, countless voices will try to sway you one way or the other. Yet your responsibility is simple. Pray earnestly. Seek God passionately. Listen carefully and vote how he leads you. God is sovereign. He always has been. He is faithful. He always will be. And nothing, absolutely nothing happens outside of his providence. This is where we find peace in this moment. Good morning, City Hill. Good morning to those who are joining us online. Quite a week, quite a time politically for us as a, as a nation, isn't it? I was just thinking of last Monday, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed as our ninth Supreme Court Justice. And I applaud her appointment. Not simply, praise the Lord, you're welcome to applaud. Not simply because she is conservative in the way she views the Constitution, but because Judge Barrett, one thing that thrills me is she is a charismatic Catholic, and she is a woman that fears the Lord. And also she has a high value of family, seven children, two adopted from Haiti, one with special needs. She has lived as a person that highly values family and as a woman that is that God is going to use and is using in powerful ways. I, I liked this headline I saw on the news and it said, Speaking in Tongues. And I thought, oh boy. Supreme Court Justice who speaks in tongues. And as I was just looking at that thinking, well, that hearing is going to be interesting. I'm just trying to picture how that could go. Um, they didn't go down that road, but I was just picturing Judge Barrett facing one of the excruciating decisions that judges have to make. Picturing her listening, using all of her training, her law degree, asking insightful questions. You could just kind of picture her like this going, <laughs> praying under her breath, asking the Lord, God, Give me wisdom, the wisdom of Solomon, to judge cases that are incredibly difficult to judge. So I want us to pray for her this morning. Pray that God will protect her and her family. In all of these, in every political situation, there are those who mean harm to people of the other of other perspectives. And I pray for her protection. Pray for wisdom, that God would give her the wisdom of Solomon to be able to rule rightly. And pray for the fear of the Lord, that she would walk in the fear of the Lord. The scripture says in Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I do not trust in man's wisdom, regardless of which perspective they come from. But wouldn't it be amazing to see a Supreme Court with nine judges who ruled in the fear of the Lord every day? We would see a nation changed. So I'm excited that God has brought in a woman that fears the Lord. I want to pray for her this morning. And then this Tuesday, there's something going on. Um, 
Our presidential election is this Tuesday, as you all know, September 3rd, November 3rd. <laughs> Matt's clock is off. My months are off, you know. November 3rd is the presidential election. And pray that God will speak to the hearts and minds of American citizens. Such an incredible privilege to vote. Pray that Christians would vote. I believe it's our, civil, our civic duty in this amazing land that we live in that we would vote and honor that opportunity and privilege we have. And then we have to trust that God will set the man in power and the people in power that he has decreed to be in power. It's challenging, isn't it? Because we can get pretty convinced and tell God this is how it should go. But the scripture speaks to us so clearly. And then when Wednesday comes, when next Sunday comes, we will bless he who is elected as the new president of the United States. We'll bless, we'll pray for, we'll pray for the fear of God, we'll pray that God will work through, in this point it seems to be a man, through that man that God will place in the position of authority in America. Will that be challenging? Oh yeah. But that's what the, the scripture says so clearly in 2 Timothy 2. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, I will add in, and presidents, and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we will pray, and according to the word, for those that God sets in places of authority. May the Lord help us. May the Lord save our land from war, from unrest, and may we live with the freedom, this incredible experiment called democracy. May we honor it and live with it as God intended for us to live. So let's pray. If you're with family members, just take a hand of somebody beside you. If you're not, we're still maintaining our distance. Praise the Lord. But let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you that you are sovereign and that, God, we trust in your covering of our lives, our families, our state, our nation, God. And, Father, we pray that you would move in our nation, and that, God, you would oversee this election coming up. Father, we do bless Amy Coney Barrett. We thank you, Lord, for a God-fearing woman that you have put in a place of power and authority in this nation. And, Father, we also pray for these elections, God, for this election and so many other elections that will happen on Tuesday. God, we ask for your divine hand over this election. Our trust is not in anything. Our trust is in you, God. And our eyes are fixed upon you. Come be with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say we're calling for a 24-hour time of prayer in preparation for the elections. That will start at noon today and go through noon tomorrow. And if you want to join us in that, we're going, to just do a, we're going to try something new. New things are good, right? We're going to try an open Zoom 24-hour prayer room. That means pray from your homes, but you can join in. Um, there's been email sent out that has that Zoom connection. Can we also get that online, Matt? If we go on the website, um, click on that. We'll see who's on at 2 o'clock in the morning or at whatever hour that would be. But we want to dedicate, and I would just challenge you, set some time aside in your home 
to pray for our nation. We need the hand and the move of God. Amen? Um, before I jump into the sermon, just want to draw your attention to the card that was on your chair. Um, we're not going to take an offering this morning for this, but we are in this year of freedom. We are believing the Lord to complete and finish the long-term debt we have here as a church. Lord would free us, make us debt-free. And we're going to be talking about this more in the weeks to come, but just wanted to draw your attention to it. I'd encourage you to take it home, pray, ask the Lord what your part is as we are believing God for freedom in every area of our lives. Amen? So that's what's on your chair. So, my sermon today is Politics in the Church. Learning to think biblically. My question for you this morning is, how should Christians think in regard to politics? And may I start by speaking and saying, I have been reluctant to speak on this topic. I have been pastoring this church for seven years, and I'm not sure I've ever preached on this topic. It's a volatile topic. It's a divisive topic. It can be hurtful. It is incredibly polarized presently. And it's so polarized that many people have closed their eyes and their ears to reason and to godly wisdom. And it's so easy, even when I say that, to go, yeah, they have. Maybe I have. And tolerance, tolerance in our tolerant society is incredibly hard to find. What I hear, this is just me, the message I hear is regarding tolerance is I will tolerate you as long as you agree with me enthusiastically and affirm everything I believe. And if you don't, you'll be criticized and aggressively attacked and lose your freedom to speak your voice to your opinion, and maybe even lose your job and be arrested. I'm just so glad, and you should be glad too, that I'm so tolerant. And we may say, well, that's not really where we're at, but my Canadian friends, pastors who are pastoring in Canada, say there are topics, if they speak on them, they will go to jail. Biblical topics they will go to jail. Makes, makes choosing your Sunday morning sermon a little more interesting, doesn't it? If I say this and everything's recorded, I will go to jail. That's not what happened this morning, but that is where some of the realities of our world. And may I say, I'm, I'm not shy. It's not that I've been shy to speak on difficult topics. I was thinking back on some of the difficult topics over the years. Just, I, I've spoke on sex from the pulpit, that sex is a wonderful, God-given, blessed gift of God to be celebrated within marriage. I've spoken on marriage, that God has ordained marriage, not a man-made institution. It's a God institution, holy matrimony, to be celebrated between one man and one woman. I've spoken on family. The family is a basic building block of our society. Honors and uses, and it's his plan for our world, our families. And no church or club or society or government can ever, ever take the place of our family. And the family may be seen in many different ways and expressions of extended family, but Family is God's plan for this world. I've spoken about pain and suffering. Why do these bad things, why do people who love Jesus suffer so much? How do we see a good God when we're walking through such dark times in many people's lives? I've spoken on racism, how God is the God of all nations, of all colors, of all all peoples, all tongues, all tribes, and every single one is beautifully created in the image of God. 
and that God hates racism and prejudice. I've spoken on abortion. We've had Scott Klusendorf up. How life is sacred from conception till death. So I've not been shy to talk about every, every one of those topics. You go, ooh, what about, you know, they're complicated topics. They're difficult topics. So why have I not talked on politics? And I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, you know, I grew up here in Minnesota, in the Minnesota culture, and it says, you don't talk about money, sex, religion, or politics. Play nice. And I've talked about money, and I've talked about sex, and I've talked about religion. We're in a church, right? But politics somehow is like, yeah, I think I'll just not. And I, I've heard this voice that says, you can't. It's not allowed. Have you ever heard of the separation of church and state? Well, the separation of church and state, by the way, was never meant to muzzle the church. The separation of church and state was that the government will not come in and control the church. And it was not a part of the Constitution. It was not a part of the Bill of Rights. It was a part of a letter from Thomas Jefferson telling the churches, you will be safe here in America. There'll be a wall of separation that will protect the church from the government. My goal this morning is not to sway how you vote on Tuesday for many reasons. One is, I would imagine a large number of you have already voted. And secondly, even if you haven't voted, most of our minds have been made up of who we're going to vote for. Not many undecided, probably not many at all in this church. So that's not my goal. If it was my goal, I probably should have preached on this six months ago. Maybe it would have had an effect then, but that's not my goal. But a pastor, a church, is to equip the saints. Saints, raise your hands. Praise the Lord. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. My heart is, and my goal is to equip you to think biblically. To equip the saints in this topic about politics and how to think biblically. And that's my desire. And you may not, and you need not agree with me, okay? But I ask you to guard your heart from offense. There will be some that will not appreciate some things I may say because it wasn't strong enough. And we didn't condemn people to hell who didn't agree with us. Sorry. Not going to do that. And there are those who will not like it, and I get that. That's why you avoid topics like this from the pulpit, right? But just this week as I was thinking about this, uh, more than offending you, I must walk in the fear of the Lord. And you aren't just coming to church to get slapped on the back and say you're doing great. And so I have found a peace of the Lord to say what I believe the scriptures tell us. And then I think in civil discourse, recently I had a, probably an hour talk with somebody from church about politics, somebody who didn't agree with me on many things. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And at the end of it, they said, why can't we have discussions like this all the time where we just talk about things? And we love each other and respect each other and say, boy, I do not agree with that. Well, what about this? And we... We learn as we discuss without badgering, beating, criticizing. So my heart is that although we disagree, we can maintain a unity. Because unity, folks, is not that we all agree on everything. That's uniformity. You know, I don't think I agree with all of you on everything with anybody. I don't think I said that right. I'm sure that if I sat down with you, I'd find something I disagree with. And maybe we'd learn as we talked, as we prayed. But unity is that even though we have differences, our love is greater than those differences. So here goes. As a child of God, we have dual citizenship. 
We are dual citizens as God's children, like my sons. My sons have dual citizenships. They were born in Dominican Republic, two of them, and so they hold Dominican citizenship passports. They are with all the rights. I was saying they could be the first white Dominican president in history. Some blonde-haired, I could just see it. And they'd win because here would be their campaign. We're going to have electricity 24-7 nationwide, and on that, they would win the election. We're going to make it New York. And they'd hold up this Dominican passport, and they'd all win. Um, they're Dominican citizens. They are American citizens, born of American parents, and they, are, they hold both passports. My son, Nate, has on his Facebook page, he says, I'm a Latino, I'm a Latin, I'm a Hispanic trapped in a white man's body. He's got, you know, and we use these, these different passports to our advantage as we travel internationally. If it's an advantage to have your Dominican passport leaving, you pull out your Dominican passport. And then you get to America and you pull out your U.S. passport. And they are dual citizens with all the privileges that both give them. You have dual citizenship. We are citizens, first of all, of heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So your citizenship is in heaven. Those of you who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, which I would imagine is most of us this morning, that you are citizens of heaven. Hebrews 11 says, we are aliens and strangers here on earth. That our heart, our mind, our lives, we are citizens in heaven. The scripture says we are seated, at the, we are seated in, in the heavenlies. We are citizens of heaven. I always, when I think of that, I think of the song. If you know this song, sing it with me this morning. I something, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. You know the song? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't be at home in this world anymore. This world is not my home. Our citizenship, our... And when we get that right, then we don't get so freaked out over an election here in America. You know what? We're going to be okay. Because... My life is hidden with Christ. I am a citizen of heaven, and that is untouchable. I remember a time when I was in the evangelism team in Paris, and this guy, drunk guy, threw me up against the wall, put his fist back, to punch my, you know, he was screaming and yelling, and I'm sure it was a demonic thing, and, and I turned to him and I said, you can't touch me. <laughs> now, he could have punched me in the face, but I said, you can't touch me. I don't even know what I was saying. It just flowed out, and I, and I looked back on that. He didn't punch me, praise the Lord. But I looked back and I thought, am I really saying that he could not punch me in the face? I don't think I was saying that. I think my spirit was just coming saying, I... I'm hidden with Christ in the heavenlies. I'm a citizen of heaven. You may kill me, but you can't touch me because our citizenship is in heaven. And we're going to be okay, folks. Time could get tough in America. We could actually experience real persecution someday down the road. Who knows? But we're going to be okay because our citizenship is in heaven. And then there's this theological phrase, which I like, already not yet. We're already citizens in heaven, but not yet. We're walking through this road here on earth. And our dual citizenship, our second citizenship, is here on earth. We are also citizens here in America. 
And that's our secondary citizenship. Romans 13, 1 through 2 talks about that. Paul says, let every person be subject to governing authorities. There's no authority except from God. That's a hard one, isn't it? There's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So folks, we're dual citizens. Our citizenship is in heaven, but not yet. We walk through this earth, and as Therefore, the question I have is, as citizens here on earth, how are we to live? What does it look like for us to live in this world? Well, we in America have the privilege of living in a constitutional republic. Abraham Lincoln said it best at Gettysburg, we are a government of the people, by the people, for the people. His prayer was that our government shall not perish from the earth. It's a great experiment. Sometimes I wonder how well this experiment is working. But in this form of government, in a constitutional republic, I would posture to say that we, the people, are the sovereigns. I'm not speaking of sovereign over God. I'm talking about here political sovereigns. That We are the ones who put representatives forward in our country. But the authority rests upon us. And we elect those who represent us, but we get to choose, we as the people. And therefore, I believe that sitting out the political process is not an option for us. I will say on a personal level, I find it irritating when I hear people say, well, I didn't vote, therefore I'm not responsible for any of those things. I'm thinking, well, you, you, that, that's cheap. You know, it's like, well, it, it's a passive response. And I don't think we're called as Christians to be passive. I think we're called to do what we can do. There's a lot of things I can't do, a lot of things that are not in my power. They make decisions, and I'm like, well, nobody asked me. Well, yes, right. But I have a part in this, and we have a part in the process. I believe we should do what we can. And also our direct political involvement. I think for too long we have encouraged the church to withdraw from involvement in our society. We've said, come ye out from among them, which means let's cloister together in a church building and sing kumbaya. And I think the Lord says we're called to be salt and light and penetrate the world and extend the kingdom of God in every way we can here in our society. So I celebrate my sister in Christ, Amy Coney Barrett. I celebrate that God has lifted her up to Supreme Court justice. Imagine the influence she will have. I celebrate Dan Hall, Minnesota senator. He was a pastor here at this church, and now he's a senator in the Minnesota Senate. And I say, way to go, Dan. I uh, had a conversation with Ellie Irizarry. Ellie, are you here today? Ellie, we, we were talking the other day, and I, and I don't even know how I came up. She said, but I'm going to be president of the United States. And I go, go, Ellie. Go, Ellie, stand up. Let's hear it. Ellie for president. There we go. The first candidate I've ever spoken of here from the pulpit. And I'll vote for you. Um, God calls us to have a part whether that's on a city council or in our closet of prayer or a judge, God calls us to be salt and light in this world as citizens here. What do we fight for? Well, we fight for what is important to God. We are representatives of God here on this earth. So as we know God better, then we battle, we fight, we work to seeing his kingdom come here on earth. So God is a God of justice. So we are pro-justice. We want to see justice 
come on earth. Jeremiah 9.27 says, God delights in justice. When he sees just rules, God delights. And if God delights in it, then we're for it. Care for the poor. Why? Because God cares for the poor. God has a big spot in his heart for the poor of our world. It's not just that he doesn't care. No, he cares deeply. And he cares for the poor. How about showing compassion? Why do we want to show compassion in our world? Because God is a compassionate God. His heart is big and kind to those who are hurting. And in every way we can, we want to work towards seeing compassion. Defending the defenseless. Why? Deuteronomy 10, 18 says, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. God cares about the defenseless. He has a particular place in his heart for those that have, don't have the natural covering, the fatherless. In my home, Part of being a man in my home was to defend and protect my home. If someone came in to do harm, I should be the first person that goes forward. I should make sure the doors of my house are locked at night and that our, my home is protected because that's part of my call to love my family. But there are those that did not have fathers. And God has a particular heart and calls us as the church to defend the fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner among us. And one of the areas this morning that I just want to focus on is when you're talking about defenseless, the area, the people who are most undefended in our world is unborn children. How could you be more vulnerable than that? And as image, as unborn children created in the image of God, bearers of that divine image, we must protect. So principle two is that if we are the political sovereigns, if God has called us to invest and lead in our nation, then we should promote the good and limit the evil. I want you to have that one home today. We should promote the good and limit the evil. Say that with me. Promote the good and limit the evil. I believe that's our call in this world. Be that in your neighborhood, be that in the presidential election, that you should ask the question, how can I, if you look back there at Romans 13, that every person, the governing authorities, get the right scripture, but where it says they are called to reward those who do good and bring judgment upon those who do evil. There is a, we are to reward the good and we are to decrease the evil in this world. Romans 13, 4, this is it. For he is God's servant for your good. Speaking of the authorities, and so that is what we are to be, servants of God for good. And if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So do you see that clearly here? In authority, in our government, in whatever role we play, we are to pursue good, and decrease evil. And I would posture and say this is not voting for the lesser of two evils. I think that's the wrong way to see this. I see it's not the voting for the lesser of two evils, but we are voting to lessen evil. We want to see evil decreased and the good increased in this world. Remember, this is not heaven. In case you were confused, we're not there yet. We live in a fallen world. 
There are no perfect political parties. It's very evident to all, right? No perfect political parties, no perfect candidates, no perfect laws, no perfect pastors, no perfect church members, right? We're all, you're always going to vote for someone who is flawed and broken because we are not at heaven yet. Wayne Grudem, who's a Christian apologist, points out, with some candidates we get good policies and character flaws. With other candidates we get bad policies and character flaws. We should vote for candidates that promote policies that limit evil and promote good. Principle number three, not all moral issues are equally weighted. Not all moral issues have the same importance. Now when I say that, may I say that I think all issues are important, or at least most issues are important. But we claim in the church, while well, sin is sin. What's that mean? Sin is sin. You know, we weight sin. And I believe God weights sin. So stealing a pencil is sin. Killing someone, an innocent person, is also sin. But we do not weigh them the same. Even in our society, we say things like the punishment should fit the crime. Have all these laws that, that say, well, for this crime, there's this punishment. For this crime, there's this punishment with a possible intent that the punishment should fit the crime. And in our life, although all sins separate us from a holy God, right? So all sin will separate us from God. Not all sin and not all moral issues can be weighed the same. So at risk, I want to just walk through a couple things. Here we go. And I would say that on some of these issues, we are not going to go in depth in them because we have just sermon time today. But I want to throw out on most issues, on many issues, I could argue both sides on a reasonable way. I could. Let me just try this, all right? Here we go. And at the end of this, you'll say, I know why you were hesitant to preach on this. Um, gun control. I'm opposed to assault rifles and gun stocks that allow some crazy person to walk into McDonald's and shoot up a McDonald's. I know you can do that in many ways, but I'm opposed to automatic rifles being available in the streets. But I'm also in favor of people being able to defend their homes and their families. How do you make that work? Exodus 22.2 22 says, if a thief found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. It seems to set a precedent that says it's okay to defend your family. How about immigration? I love internationals. I spent 25 years of my life being the only white guy around. My family, my friends, my ministry were all people of color. It was beautiful. I love Dominicans. I love Haitians. These people became our friends, people who lived in our home. God loves internationals. We must improve legal immigration and find ways to make it streamlined so the immigration process is not so brutal as it is here in America. But we've got to control our borders. You know what? I lock my house at night. If I ask you who locks your house at night, most of you will say, I lock my house at night. There's a doorbell so I can control who comes in my home and who doesn't. I think in some form or another, we have to have a control, and then we need to open the doors in healthy, 
controlled ways. Immigration. I could argue both sides. Care for the poor. One party is said to show better care for the poor. Maybe so. Or would it be better to encourage a robust economy that provides jobs for all who can work? So that the poor, instead of getting handouts over and over and over, could actually have jobs to, and training so they could grow and provide for their families. How is it we care for the poor? Which is more compassionate? Giving a man to fish every day, giving a man a fish every day, or teaching him to fish and providing long-term fishing jobs so he can provide for his family and for others. There's an argument. How about environmentalism? Isn't this fun? All right, how about environmentalism? Folks, we should be at the front lines of caring for our nation. This is God's creation. He's called us to care for his creation. Somehow, that hasn't happened as much as it should. We should be the ones who are concerned about cleaning up our country, keeping the, or cleaning the air. We should care for our land. It really bothers me. I've been with Christians. This is particular a place where they take trash and they throw it on the ground, I like freak out. It's like, you, you know, I, I just want to go. And Dominican Republic, there was trash everywhere. It was just part of a society. But I see that and it just goes so opposed to the spirit of God. It's like, that, you can't do that. We should be caring for our land. But at what cost? At what price? at the destruction of what families and what cities. How do we make that work? I could argue both sides. But I get to another topic. I get to the topic of abortion. And on the topic of abortion, I do not have two sides. Taking the life of an innocent, unborn baby is wrong. And I say this with tremendous compassion and love and grace and forgiveness for those who have suffered abortion, who are among us today. So hear that from my heart. I have no desire to add to anyone's pain. But we are called to limit evil and to promote good. And abortion is not an issue. Abortion is not an issue of women's health. Abortion is not an issue of reproductive rights. Because why? Because what's inside of a pregnant woman is a life created in the image of God made with his great love and care that we are called to protect. It's an issue of the sanctity of human life. And it's an issue that we must fight for. We must invest in. And I do make an exception a possible exception for situations where um, considered death to the life of the mother. I think that's a topic to be discussed at a different time. But biblically, politically, I can't get by this. And this is me with my heart wide open. I've had talks with dear Christians people I love very much, who love the Lord with all their heart, who say, I used to be a one-issue voter, but no more. Now I realize the other issues are also equally important. I cannot agree with that. I would say I have realized that other issues are very important as well, but not equally. I can't I can't weigh the life of a child to immigration reform. They're both important. 
but to but the issue of abortion to me is on a whole different plane and i i think our world has gone way over not even overboard it's out of control and i'm not even saying the right words um they're just wrong that we would be a nation one nation under god that would fight for the freedom of abortion at all, at any stage in a woman's pregnancy. As I was studying this, I came across a t-shirt that said, thank God for abortion. I looked at that shirt and I thought, there's something demonically wrong with thank God for abortion. And all I could think of is the Bible speaks of those who call good evil and call evil good. And I can think of no better illustration than this than those who champion and celebrate abortion. And I believe that history, I believe that God will look very negatively upon our nation for this evil. And so I put before you that me, and once again, you can come to any conclusion you want for your own life, but I believe that I can't get past this, and I am a one-issue voter. And I have to fight for the things that I don't agree with. But I can't support those who would fight for abortion. And may I add just one more point since I'm on this, and don't believe for a second that abortion is not affected by who wins the presidency. Don't believe that for a second. There is a video out that I don't want to give any more promo to from Christian people that would basically make that statement. And I called my buddy, Scott Klusendorf, and said, all right, talk to me. I'm out, I'm out here now. It's um, done by Phil Vischer, and it's the guy who created VeggieTales. And it's got a lot of press. And Scott just ripped it apart into pieces. You want some of his defense of that? Let me know, and I'll send you that. But the things... The presidency matters because judges are appointed. And one of the reasons that Amy Coney Barrett was opposed strongly is because of the fear that she will change things, that the Supreme Court will change things, and that abortion will be not as available as wanted by some. So don't believe that direction. I want to close in the words of Jesus, his well-known prayer called the Lord's Prayer that said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we pray that, we also must respond. Whenever you pray, God also calls us to respond to what we're praying for. You pray for the poor, God calls you to give. And as we pray for God, your, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's the heart of God, is that the kingdom values of heaven that God has, that we would be a part of seeing those kingdom values here on earth. This is our call. This is our purpose. Our call is to preach the gospel so that men and women could be reconciled to God. And our call is to work to bring the kingdom of God, not by enforcing all morality. That's not what I'm saying, but to be a part of being salt and light in this world, that we could see the values of the kingdom of God in every way we can established here on earth. Our call is to promote good and limit evil and to do whatever part we can to see that come here on earth. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you that you are sovereign. Lord, we have free will here on earth, but there is a sovereignty of God that reaches over all. And God, we look to you, we ask for your hand upon our nation. And then we will honor your sovereignty. However that works out for us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts even today, that God, we would be a part of limiting evil and promoting good in this world through our vote, through our involvement, through our conversation, through our church. God, make us a part of your answer here on earth. And Father, I pray that the words I've spoken this morning that are of you, God, would penetrate hearts. And Father, anything that's just been of my own thoughts or desires, God, I pray they would just dissipate in Jesus' name. We give you today, God. Thank you for the freedom you give us living here in this nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple things I want to say as we end, just announcements. Praise the Lord on the announcements. Um, Voter guides, we have a pile of them out there. You're welcome. Please take them. Otherwise, they aren't a whole lot of good come next week. I encourage you to grab a voter guide heading out. Please join us on the 24-hour prayer time. That is starting at noon, going till noon tomorrow. Just join on and see who's there to pray with. You can join for 10 minutes. You can join for... 10 hours, do whatever you want, but join us on that prayer time together as a church. If you're in, if you're wanting ministry, Steve's over here. There'll be some people there to pray with you. If you have something that God, you're seeking the Lord with, our ministry team is ready to help join you today. If you're our guest, I'd love to meet you at the Welcome Center just to the left as you head out those doors. And life group leaders, remember our monthly meeting is today minutes from now, about quarter to 12, right over here in the Fellowship Hall. I think that's it. God bless y'all. Have a great day.